Welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you with us on another Anything Goes Wednesday. I had a chance a couple of weeks ago to sit down with a former colleague of mine. And when I say a former colleague of mine, I mean an almost 30-year-ago colleague of mine, Sean Kaiser, who, when I was at KFIZ in Fond du Lac, he was a high school student just trying to learn his way into the radio business, as so many of us did when we were, at that point, Sean's age. Well, Sean obviously graduated from high school and graduated from college and made his way in the world, but he's back at KFIZ on a limited basis right now because he's putting together uh, a series of interviews for the 100th anniversary of that radio station. And as you'll hear, because I'm, I'm going to play you the interview that uh, I did with Sean, KFIZ is one of those great local, small-town types of radio stations. And there are so many stations that for so many years have just kind of thrown you know localism to the wind for the sake of putting a show on from a national syndicator. And KFIZ has always been one of those stations that, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of syndicated shows, but localism is at the heart of what KFIZ has always been. It's been known as the one you depend on, or at least that was the tagline when I was there. And I know things change and evolve, and some would say devolve in radio over the years, especially in those smaller markets, because when you're in a smaller market, you don't generate the ad revenue sales that a larger market radio station gets. I mean, it just makes it's economics 101, right? But when I was there from 1994 to 1996, we were live and local pretty much all day long, which is unheard of. And again, things change, and I get that. But still, to have uh, a station in a small market like Fond du Lac to be as important as it has been over now a full century of broadcasting, I think is remarkable. Because when something happens in that hometown, you want to turn to, in Fond du Lac's case, AM 1450. Or if you're in Oshkosh, it's WOSH, another station that I worked at. You always instinctively just kind of tune into AM 1490. But KFIZ was a place that I spent a couple of years at, and it was an impactful couple of years for me. And it was where I made the transition that still holds to this day from news to sports. And we'll kind of get into it a little bit with Sean in the interview that I did. But, you know, when I was there, I also had a chance to grow as a broadcaster, to grow as a local broadcaster, and to help a couple of guys along the way. And one guy that I think I had at least a hand in helping, now he did it himself, I'm not taking credit for his work or anything like that, but a guy like Wade Bates. Wade has been uh, one of the great small market local broadcasters in the state of Wisconsin. He has been one of the most recognizable people, first in Fond du Lac, and now he's making his way in Beaver Dam at WBEV. Uh, as their morning show host. And no one embraces small market radio in the state of Wisconsin more than Wade. He's going to wind up in the Wisconsin Wisconsin Broadcasters Association Hall of Fame for it, and rightfully so. But he was a very young broadcaster who was working with and for me when I was the station manager at the campus radio station at UW Oshkosh at at WRST. And Wade came into my office one day and said that he wanted to be on the radio. And he just worked hard at it. And when we had an opening at KFIZ, I suggested him to the then sports director, Dan Kyle, because we needed somebody to come in, run the board, and you know, kind of learn 
how to do just about everything. Because when you do work in small market radio, that's kind of the that's kind of the gig. You learn how to do literally everything. I remember the first professional job that I had, the first commercial radio station job that I ever had. It was at AM 1600 WCWC. I think it's WRPN now. But it was at the end of the dial. It was when I was still in college. And it was minimum wage. The hours were horrific. And you went in there and you did everything. Some nights I board opt overnights. And that's just... Flipping a couple of switches. This was before that station went automated. But you'd just flip a couple of switches, read a couple of you know local weather forecasts, and just make sure that the radio station was still on the air. That was one of the things that I did. Another thing that I did was I signed on on Sunday morning. So when you sign on on Sundays, you turn the, you actually physically turn the transmitter on. You don't do that anymore because there are very few sunups and sundowns, especially if you're a station that doesn't require you to uh, turn your transmitter off at night. And that wasn't WCWC. We turned the transmitter off at night because we didn't want to pay for the electricity to run the transmitter all night when very few people were listening. I mean, some of the great lessons that I learned in broadcasting were from these small market radio stations, including KFIZ. But, you know, getting back to what you do at a small market, you come in, you read the news, you play the records when you do when there were records to play. Uh, I had to read obituaries. Uh, you make the coffee, you answer the phone, you literally do everything. And I'm not going to say that I miss those days, uh, because when we were humming along in the mid-90s at KFIZ, I mean, we had a full-time receptionist, for example. And what I think was is, is really ironic is the day that I did this interview with Sean uh, was the same day that the first receptionist that... I ever worked with at KFIZ, Lori Schneider, or Lori Krause. But Lori uh, had a little baby with another one of the staffers at KFIZ, uh, Greg Krause. And every once in a while, she'd bring in baby Ashley, this little tiny, tiny baby. And as many of us are, you become Facebook friends with people that you worked with in years past. And you kind of are able to catch up on each other's lives and kind of stay in touch on the periphery. Well, Lori and Greg, they moved their family including little Ashley, and they had a couple more kids. They moved them down to Atlanta. And Lori's worked for CNN for a long time. But the day that I did this interview with Sean is the day that little baby, tiny, infant Ashley got married. And those pictures were posted on Facebook. I'm like, boy, it has been a long time, hasn't it? Little Ashley's all grown up. And, uh, you know, she's now going to start her own beautiful family like Lori and Greg did. But uh, I just thought that that was kind of a full circle moment that the day that I'm reminiscing about those years that I spent at KFIZ was also the day that uh, the little baby that used to come into the radio station, you know, on her mom's hip, starting a family of her own and, and getting married that very day. So anyway, here's the conversation that I have with Sean Kaiser. Really enjoyed it, and I hope you guys get something out of it as well here on the Doug Russell Podcast. Doug, give us some bio information for you. Where did you grow up, and at what point in your life did you know that you wanted to to get into broadcasting, to get into radio? Sure. Uh, I grew up in Waukesha, went to UW Oshkosh, but uh, I knew that I wanted to get into broadcasting, I think, when my dad used to take me to Brewers games at County Stadium, 
And instead of, you know, centering my binoculars on the action on the field, because when you're in the bleachers, you know, you're a long ways away from Robin Yount or Paul Molitor or whomever at bat or Teddy Higuera on the mound or whomever. But instead of, you know, focusing my action on the field, it would always go up to the press box. And it wasn't necessarily just to see Bob Euchre because I, I had uh transistor radio on my head i was that you know i look like steve bartman i think most of the time when i was geeking out in the uh in the bleachers at county stadium listening to the actual broadcast itself uh so i would you know want to want to see you but i was also fascinated by everybody else that was in the press box as well and i thought it would just be in just the neatest place to be able to watch a game and then when i figured out not only would you be able to get into the games for free but they would actually pay you to actually go to the games that, that could be your vocation didn't need to tell me anymore. I was hooked. What was your experience like at UW Oshkosh and how did that help, uh, you know, kind of lay the foundation for your career? Yeah, no, it was great. I loved uh, every moment that I spent at UW Oshkosh and it allowed me to do a lot of things, including, you know, meeting guys that you've already talked to like Wade Bates and that's Wade and I have been friends for over 30 years. He was, uh, you know, just this punk little freshman when he walked into my office. I was the station manager at the time. He's like, I want to be on the radio. So did I launch Wade's career? No, but I had a small hand in it, and I, I tried to push him in the right direction. He's had a Hall of Fame career. He's going to wind up in the WVA Hall of Fame for being a local legend in Fond du Lac, and now what he's doing um, you know, in Beaver Dam as well. I mean, he, what he's done has been incredible. And that's why I love KFIZ so much. It's, it's just become like Wade. He's just the fabric of the community. But getting back to your question, uh, Oshkosh was awesome uh, because I fell in love with the place, you know, even before I matriculated there, big word, um, but before I ever uh, got there, because I was told that when I took the tour, the first tour of the Arts and Communications Building, uh, that, you know, if you're a freshman, you do have the opportunity to get your hands on the equipment, to get on the air, to crack a microphone. And that really appealed to me because I didn't necessarily know exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to do something in broadcasting. And my first, as much as I loved sports, I just figured, and I'm, I wasn't wrong, but there were more jobs in news than there were in sports. So I'm going to try news first. I uh, got a news background, obviously did some sports made a transition while I was at KFIC into sports and I've been doing it ever since, since the mid nineties. Um, but yeah, that, that uh, experience that I got at UW Oshkosh really did set the foundation for my whole career. And, and, you know, I've made lifelong friends. I mean, like I said, Wade is still, uh, you know, a friend 30 plus years later. And there are so many others that, you know, I, I, I did go to school with at UW Oshkosh that I remain in contact with today. What year was your freshman year? at 1990. 90. And then how did you end up at KFIZ? Well, I, the, it's a bit of a circuitous route to get to KFIZ. Uh, and it was just incremental steps. Um, when I was a sophomore in college, a guy by the name of Scott Nagy was the news director at the radio station. He's had a long career, had a long career in broadcasting too up in Green Bay. And uh, he said there's a you know, part-time job opening at this little tiny station in Ripon, WCWC. And it was 35 miles away, and it was for minimum wage, and the hours were terrible. But you know what? I wanted to begin my broadcasting career. So I took that job and just kind of spun that into getting a job closer to UW Oshkosh at WOSH, where my news director 
was Cheryl Logan. She got hired by Randy Hopper at KFIZ and she brought me down. And that's how I got to KFIZ in the first place, doing news during the OJ Simpson trial, uh, kind of board opping on the old Fax 107.1. I think it's, is it the bull now? I believe. Yep. It's the bull, bull now. Okay. So it's, it's had a few incarnations, obviously. Uh, it's gone through a few different formats, but it was an all news station at the time. And it was revolutionary. It was the only all news station, all news FM station in the Fox Valley. They learned over the course of not that many years that there maybe wasn't enough news in the Fox Valley to have a 24 seven all news formatted station. Uh, and that's when I made the transition uh, to mostly working on KFIZ AM. So well, I was only at KFIZ for two years, but I think they were two pretty consequential years because I was able to help bring in guys like Wade. Um, I knew Chuck, and when I was leaving for WTMJ, Chuck was looking for a job, and you know, I put him, I kind of helped you know, grease the wheels for him a little bit in Fond du Lac, and he had a long, long career, obviously, at KFIZ. Uh, I was there when they moved from Scott Street to Winnebago Street, uh, a couple of format changes, and the biggest format change for me was going from news to sports, and that happened at KFIZ. When Dan Kyle left, and they thought that they wanted to go for a while without a sports director. And I was very young. I had made a ton of mistakes, but I was like 22, 23 years old, fresh out of college. And they decided that they needed somebody to help kind of just manage the sports department. So they made me the sports director at 20, like I said, 22, 23 years old or something like that. And it, uh, it helped launch my career. What memories do you have from being sports director at KFIZ? Um, I made mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes. One of the things that I that I think I made um, as far as a mistake was I, I wanted to expand the reach of KFIZ and I wanted it to be a station that was, you know, at Bucks games and at Brewers games and at Packers games and at Badgers games and to, you know, let, let's expand out when I should have looked more insular. And, and I think one of the great things that I was allowed to do was make mistakes like that. Uh, because Fond du Lac is, I mean, if you're not talking Fond du Lac sports, I mean, you can get a lot of that stuff anywhere. And that's one of the things that, you know, in hindsight, looking back on it, you know, some 30 years later, almost 30 years later in the business, it's the fabric of local communities. It's what you're talking about. It's what it, it's literally, you know, neighbor to neighbor. And when you become part of that, you know, we should have spent more time, not that we didn't, but maybe we should have spent more time over at Fruit Field and maybe less time at Lambeau Field. And, um, you know, so it, it allowed me to do that. And that was one of the, the great memories that I had. And also all the sports play-by-play that we did. I was there when the great Greg Stenson and the late Tom Viola, when they left. So there was a little bit of a void there. So I wound up calling some games. That was one of the things that we brought Wade in to do as well. And he's called thousands of games, I think, between, you know, his two main radio stints. Uh, so uh, th- those are some of the things that I do recall. Uh, and just the wonderful people that were there too. I mean, you, you have a little, I have no hair left from when I was there. Your hair somehow got gray because you were a high school kid when I was there. Uh, you, basically, you look the same. You've aged beautifully, Sean. I've got to tell you. Well, thank but, you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's a little more salt and pepper in, the, in you know, uh, on, on top of the dome. But again, I, I have nothing. I have nothing to talk about. Uh, but, you know, just great people that, that were there. Um, you know, Tom Boyson was there. He's a legend. Randy Hopper. Uh, you know, being someone who's not from Wisconsin, being someone who, uh, you know, is from a huge city and a huge fan base in Chicago to come up and really become a fab, you know, a member of the fabric of the community of Fond du Lac, I thought was, was great. And, you know, just, uh, just a lot of great people, Hope and Margaret and, 
uh, you know, some of the people that worked in the front office as well. It was uh, it was a really special time. You were also one of the co-hosts of Talking Sports. So what do you yes. what what was Talking Sports and what memories do you have from that show? I remember the first memory that I have of that show is before we started doing it from Friar Tux. Uh, one of the big debates was, I don't know about this kid Favre. I like the veteran Mikowski. Are we going to give Favre the give Favre the shot? Should he get the shot? He throws a lot of interceptions. I don't know, uh, but Mikowski just can't stay injured, or can't can't stay on the field. He's injured all the time. That's the first memory that I have of Friar Tux or uh, of talking sports. The second memory that I have is all those great memes that we had over at Friar Tux after chopping it up on the air, and uh, you know how we got callers on the air. When we did get a caller, we all get excited a little bit. And I forget who the board app was. I think it was Eric fought a lot. Uh, who who might have been on the board for some of those, and he did like a ding, and just to see Randy's eyes just pop out of his head. Oh, we got a call! Oh, we got to stop everything and take a call. Um, and it, you know, just things like I mean, you got to understand this is before the internet. This is before text messaging. This is before uh, social media. This is before so many technological advances that have made it's made radio easier, but it's also made radio more difficult in the sense that it, I think it's harder to make a connection because there's so much consolidation. Uh, but it certainly made it more challenging at the time. I remember you, you never walked into a show without seven or eight media guides, as opposed to just, you know, you know, a cell phone over here that you know, has every uh, piece of information you could possibly imagine at your fingertips. So uh, it was the first sports talk show that I ever did professionally. And I've, I've done a couple of them since. So yeah, it was a, it was a great launching pad. I was probably the caller uh, half the time when those days. <laughs> you might've been. <laughs> that was the young Sean Kaiser, right? Right, right. Sean Kaiser from uh, Fond du Lac High School. <laughs> <laughs> so you were there 94 to 96? Yes. That yeah. correct? And then mm-hmm. the, the, the decision to leave. You, you were had an opportunity to go home, right? So talk about, yeah. talk about leaving KFIZ and where you went. Yeah, it was a tough decision. I mean, it wasn't a tough decision. It was, it was something that I, that, I, that I look back on with more fondness. And again, one of the things, like I said, one of the mistakes that I made was trying to, because I'm from the Milwaukee area and I grew up on Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. That's what I wanted to cover. That's what I wanted to be a part of. And maybe that's why I had more of a global look as opposed to, you know, looking more inward as what I should have done as KFIZ's sports director. Um, But I had a chance to go back to the station that I listened to since I was six years old. That was uh, always on in my dad's car and it really never moved. And so I went back to WTMJ in 1996, uh, spent four years there, then moved on to some other things, went back to TMJ and now I'm at 97.3, the game in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, when I, when I got to, to TMJ uh, in 96, we were the flagship of the Packers radio network. Now I'm at the flagship of the Packers radio network again. It's just a different station. Your final thoughts, KFIZ at 100, what an amazing legacy. Unbelievable. It's, it's such a special place. Um, it's, it's a place that, you know, personally, it launched my career. I'm a sports director again. I've been a sports director at four or five different places, but KFIZ, KFIZ will always be the first place that I was ever a sports director, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. Um, but just 100 years uh, of doing not the same thing. I mean, it's certainly a station that's evolved because it has to evolve. Everything has to evolve. And anything that is 100 years old has to evolve over time. But one of the things that it's always been has been the voice of Fond du Lac. It's always been just 
so ingrained that 1450 is where you get your information. When something happens, that's where you instinctively go if you live in that community. And the people in the community, I mean, you're from there. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, even if, you know, you've moved on and you're, you're in Green Bay now, but, you know, Fadalak will always be home to you. And it was home to me for, t- for a couple of years. And every time I drive through and I drive through Fond du Lac a lot on my way to Green Bay and, and back and forth on 41, I always get nostalgic for it. I always get nostalgic uh, about, you know, going across the street to A&W and, and you know, getting some cheese curds. On a, on a lunch break or things like that. And uh, whenever I see somebody that's from Fond du Lac, like Braylon Allen, who wasn't even born, wasn't even close to being born when I was there, but, you know, a Fond du Lac kid who's doing amazing things right now for the Wisconsin Badgers, I always think, and I always, you know, make that connection that, you know, I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time there, but they were really formative years in my career and in my life that I, that I was blessed enough to spend at KFIC and in Fond du Lac. All right, that's it for this edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Hope you got something out of that interview with Sean Kaiser. And if you are someone who has listened to small market radio in the past, it's a different animal than what I've been doing. I mean, I've done, you know, Milwaukee radio. I've done Chicago radio, Houston radio, national radio. It's just such a different animal. But it's also a place where you can make a lot of great memories and, um, you know, hopefully impact a smaller community's day-to-day lives because nobody else in Wisconsin is going to be talking about Fond du Lac except for a station like KFIZ, and that's one of the things that makes it so special. All right, that's it for this edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.